Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? It's Ethan Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's up, WNBA Nation? It's Kyle Haywood here with my good friend, Logan Jones. How we doing? We're doing so good. <laughs> oh, we're doing so- Guys, we are 10 days away from the playoffs. It's coming up, man. We've got just, I mean, a few teams, a few teams left with, uh, uh, to try and clinch that 7 and 8 seed after Phoenix clinches tonight. And, uh, and that 8 seed, we were talking just a, a little bit ago, that race for eight seed is going to be a pretty tight one. Dallas has like a, a, a one and a half game lead on the next three and they're sitting at eight right now, but anything can happen over the next, I think four or five games for each of these teams. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but Logan, man, it's just good to be back on Mike. We've had a, a pretty crazy last two weeks. Um, I started uh, teaching at the high school that I teach at and that has legitimately consumed my life which is you know not to give an excuse but i'm it, it's my excuse for not being able to be on lately um i'm waking up at like 5 30 every morning and i'm staying at work until like five o'clock every day so it's been a lot it's been a lot plus still trying to you know take care of things at home and and everything and so it's been a bit since we've been on mic but logan i'm stoked that we're on on tonight you've you've had uh you've been rolling at your new job for a little bit here how's that been going yeah, I, I am also up at five in the morning, um, although for different reasons. <laughs> it's like still, instead of getting up. <laughs> I, I am juggling my, my freelance work along with a, an intimidating new job that I'm just learning how to do uh, remotely because I can't, I can't be on campus because uh, they mm-hmm. don't want people on campus that don't need to be there. Uh, nice. And Utah State has had, has had some COVID, uh, some stuff going on this week. So um, plus, it's good, you know, to, stay. It's good got, to stay home. I got the wife and kids and, you know, the mortgage, (laughs) you know, you know how it is. I know how it is. No, I do know how it is, Logan. Dude, (laughs) do you you know how it is? (laughs) I actually don't know how it is. I I imagine it's stressful. It's it's good though. It's all good stuff. Well, guys, regardless of of uh, our break we're just pumped to be back on mike and, and chatting with each of you about you know, this the, the uh, day that we probably could have gotten on and, and gotten an episode out sooner we actually uh reconnected with long lost jason snow yes back to the states <laughs> yes uh which was a blast yeah the one night that we think we had available we ended up going uh we went to a place called top golf down in uh in salt lake area uh, Steve came along with us and we, uh, Jason happened to be in Utah at the time. And so we went down and we had kind of a, I guess you could say a, a little show reunion of sorts, which is crazy because we talk so much in like our chats and, you know, we, we talk all the time, Jason, we hadn't seen for, I don't know how long it had been like two years, something like that. I don't know. It had been something like a year and a half or two years since we'd seen Jason. We like got out of the car, like someone was like, Hey Jason. And just kept going with our conversation just because it felt like uh, while, yeah, we hadn't seen him in a while. It felt pretty much like we talk every day. So, but it was great to see him and we had a blast that night. And uh, 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was good and gave us a, you know, gave us a good chance to just have a kind of a guy's night out. And so yeah, we talked now, a lot of WNBA basketball while yeah, we were, I almost while feel like we were there. That was, our, that was our closest thing we'll ever have to like a fall retreat. And now we're back. We're energized. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ready to make this, uh, this last run along with you uh, with the season into the playoffs and man, award season's heating up standing. Ooh, it is a lot to go through here. Oh, for sure. There's a ton. We, uh, <laughs> we've got, uh, some late entries, I think, into a couple of these awards. And so we'll, we'll discuss that in just a bit. But, Logan, let's talk playoff race for just a second, all right? Um, taking a look at the standings right now, we've got six teams that have clenched uh, a spot in the playoffs. Seattle, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Chicago, and Phoenix in that order. Um, Connecticut sitting the next closest and looking pretty solid that they're going to make the playoffs. They'd have to really fall apart towards the end here in order to, to miss out. Um, but uh, they've got a, a game and a half lead on eight seed Dallas and a three game lead on the nine seats. So as long as they don't completely wreck and have these other teams step up and, and you know, get a bunch of W's it's looking like Connecticut's probably going to, also clinch uh here in the next couple games um so we'll see we'll see what happens in 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 uh in this last ditch playoff race but um logan so uh, we talked I, I mentioned earlier about the you know the race for the eight seed and uh and I, as far as you're concerned do you feel pretty confident that connecticut and dallas are going to be our last two teams in the playoffs as they sit right now i i do I do. Uh, I know there's still a little bit of drama here because nothing's a given, uh, especially because, you know, Dallas can certainly lose on any given night, uh, even when I expect them to win. So uh, Connecticut's up enough in the standings. I don't think they're going to go anywhere. They're at eight and 10. Um, They would have to just have a monumental collapse in order to to fall out of contention. Um, Dallas, I think, has the easiest schedule of any of the remaining kind of bubble teams, you know, the eight through 10 uh, teams that we've been looking at um, because although they do have tough games against Seattle and Chicago remaining, they also have winnable games against the New York Liberty and the Washington Mystics. Right. And that's uh, they, they do play Minnesota tomorrow. By the time you listen to this episode, um, they're well on their way to playing a tough Minnesota team. But even if they go two and three over their last five, uh, which is what I project them uh, as, uh, as landing on, that means they're going to end up going eight and 14 and the Fever and Dream at five wins apiece right now are going to have to find a way to win three games against a tougher stretch. Uh, they, they both play um, fewer bad teams, I'll put it that way. Um, so they, they would have to really shock uh, in two or three uh, different games and beat all the teams they're supposed to beat in order to even contest uh, the Dallas Wings. So uh, I hope that it's Dallas, to be honest. I, you know... We've kind I, of got I mean, a little soft spot for Dallas I, and I their do. journey. I enjoyed watching the the dream and, and the fever play at times this season, but you know, we talked to to Greg Bibb uh, before this season started and he was so candid about wanting a change in that locker room and wanting to put new pieces together and, and uh, honestly salvage some pride after last season uh, was kind of just a disaster. And it looks like they're going to end up, you know, in the playoffs 
uh, a, a team that a couple months ago, remember, we didn't even know what this team's roster looked like. They had like five first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> and, Enrique and, and like no one else. So we didn't know what the team was going to be at all. Uh, and, you know, eight out of the 12 teams in this league make the playoffs, but that, that doesn't mean it's not hotly contested. Um, and I, I'd be very impressed for them to go from basically uh, trying out a bunch of rookies and a bunch of kind of cast offs and, and pairing them together uh, in a season where they got no preseason work. They didn't get to work out with each other. They didn't get to learn each other at all. Um, and things have, you know, kind of come together. It's, right. it's still inconsistent, but I, yeah, I mean, well, they're, they're still an eight seed. It's, it's not like they're yeah. world beaters and we're not yeah, trying to I, say they are, but the fact that they're making the playoffs over some of these other teams is sure. impressive. Sure. I, I said at the beginning of the season, this is kind of interesting for Dallas because they're establishing their floor for the next couple of years this mm-hmm. year. And yeah. if their floor is a playoff team, then that's really exciting for Dallas fans. It really is. And, uh, and I think that this is a really solid move forward for Dallas. You know, Dallas is kind of looking like they're going to have a little bit of a jump start in this rebuild. Whereas Indiana, it feels like has basically uh, been rebuilding for several years now and just can't seem to get out of that. They can't seem to make the playoffs. And I'm just, I don't feel confident right now that Indiana is going to come in and take that last spot. Um, I just don't see it, but I don't know. You never know. And I, it's cool to see a team like Dallas who was like, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to kind of blow this thing up. We're bringing in a bunch of new faces and we're going to try it. And to see it, have a team that has had that philosophy come in and uh, you know, and right now they're six and 11, which is, you know, somewhat respectable considering where they were. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited to see uh, Dallas moving forward. It's interesting, um, you know, kind of we, we brought up Washington and we've brought up Connecticut. Those two teams started the season on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? With Connecticut just losing, what, how many was it? Like five or six games to start the season? And then Washington starting out 3-0. and With Washington starting out 3-0, and their current record, Logan, is 4-12. and Yep. yep. They've gone 1-12 and over the, like, rest of the season. Which, to be honest, is kind of we expected Washington to like drop, but that that was that's a that was a lot that was a lot to see them. I just I feel like right now I would have more confidence in New York than Washington. Like it's yeah. it's to that point. Yeah, because New York has actually given a lot of teams um, battle yeah. this year, even though they've ended up losing. They've they've lost a lot of narrow games. They're a two win team you know, without Sabrina out there healthy. Um, but I, you know, the Mystics lost a ton of talent. I didn't expect a lot from them this year. I think their like three and oh, three and one start was the biggest surprise of the, like kind of the first leg of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but their regression to the, the mean um, makes a lot of sense to me. This is, this is a league loaded with talent. Every roster, so much talent. There's not a lot of spots. Like every, every team is stacked. Yeah. So if your team has, you know, your two or three most important players suddenly disappear uh, for, for any reason, um, it's, you're not going to compete. And I think they knew that this year. I'm sure they're very frustrated. Uh, but as I said in, in several episodes this year, this is their victory lap year anyway. They won it all at full strength last yeah. year. Hopefully by next year we get a full season. And 
honestly, if they come back and reload with all their stars and, and Deladon's back out there playing MVP ball next season, they can pretty much just forget this ever happened, right? Yeah, they're missing, they're missing a lot of pieces right now. And remember, they've got Deladon, Tina Charles, Natasha Cloud. Like, they got a lot that's going to be back on the court next season. And, uh, yeah, like you said, let's. I think they just kind of took a, a look at this and just said, hey, let's learn what we can learn from it, but let's not stress too much over it. Let's kind of just let's, – let's use this as a profit, uh, process of um, – you know, I could see Coach Tebow just saying, like, hey, we're going to work on – you know, X, Y, and Z. And that's what we're focusing on uh, because he knows what he's got coming in next year. And, uh, and that's, and he wants to have the rest of this group primed and ready to go for when that happens. So they can make another run at the championship. Yeah. Um, So we talked a little bit about the kind of the race here to make the playoffs, but I would say almost as interesting, if not more interesting is actually the race at the top, which if you would have told me, you know, a, a, what two three weeks ago that it would be this close heading in like um i thought i thought that we'd see a little bit more space among these top teams here but if you look at seattle las vegas los angeles and minnesota there's only a two game spread between all four of those teams uh between number one seattle and number four minnesota there's two games um and so there's a there's a good chance that we see a lot of shifting here toward the top um, because they're all going to be playing hard for seeding, um, which makes that race down below like even harder because they're going to be playing, you know, it's not like, it's not like Seattle can mail it in, you know, these last few games of the season say, ah, we got the number one or two seed locked up. They don't Las Vegas and Los Angeles easily could end the season on a, on a really good, strong run. Seattle drops one or two games and boom, Seattle's out of that double by uh, that significant double by scenario. And so I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting um, race up at the top when we, it has felt so often that Seattle's kind of in a league of their own. They're kind of in this upper echelon, but when you look at it, Logan, we've got, you know, three teams really that are right there within striking distance. And to be honest with you, Minnesota, (laughs) Minnesota to me has been the surprise of the season. And I'm really excited uh, about what, what we're seeing from the links right now. But what, anyway, what are your thoughts? What are your, what's your take on, on the top half of, or the top third of the, of the league right now? Yeah, it's uh, certainly fun to see Vegas keeping the pressure on Seattle I do think that even though a game separates them, uh, I think Seattle is a game better than their current record and Vegas is a, is a game worse. Mm. Uh, because Seattle, one of those three losses was a total, they just fell asleep because they had been dominating. Um, and I, I think the game before is when they won by like 40 against Indiana. Um, and they, they, I can't even remember who they lost to because it, it just didn't, it didn't matter to me that much. It just seemed like a game where they, they were kind of looking ahead to their next opponent. They forgot to play still counts as a loss, but I'm just, as far as a strength, like, like how strong is that team? I, you know, I think they're probably slightly better than 14 and three and Las Vegas got away with that game against New York that I don't think they should have won because of mm. a, a, a mishap with the clock operator. Right. So, you know, they're, they're both, they deserve to be at the top. My prediction at the beginning of this season, I don't know if you guys remember, I have Seattle beating Vegas in the finals. Um, and I, I believe that is still what will happen. 
but I also believe that there is a slight, slight tier difference between Seattle and Vegas Sparks, Minnesota. I'd, I'd agree with that. And I'm glad that you said slight because earlier I was thinking it was, it was pretty significant. It's not as significant as I thought right now, granted, especially in this shortened season, there's it's, it's hard to really set yourselves apart um, because I mean, one game is a huge swing in, in, you know, a, a season of only 22 games. Plus, you know, you've had, we've, we've seen several teams have be missing big star players, you know, and some have done well with that. You know, Seattle still seem to play pretty well. Uh, even without Sue Bird, when she sits out, you know, Jordan Canada steps in and, and really uh, fulfills that role well. Um, but you look at a team like Phoenix, even, you know, with, with Brittany Griner being out the last little bit, and they are currently in, a, in the middle of a five-game win streak and have produced, uh, you know, a, a big argument for one of their players to be in the MVP race. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, the impact that that has made as far as, you know, players dropping off. But, yeah, I agree with you, Logan. I still think Seattle right now in a series is very tough for anybody to take. Um, but uh, it, it's not as significant a gap between them and the rest of, uh, you know, these other four or five teams at the top that, um, that we talk about. But, um, but yeah, interesting. It, it'll be – it's really crazy because, yeah, I mean – you have a you have somebody tweak something is out for two games. You have somebody, uh, you know, you have somebody you know not feel well or something like. You drop a game right now, and you're tied for you know a three way tie for that top those top two spots, and that could get that can get really interesting. You know, a lot can happen over the last little bit here, and um, I thought that Seattle would be a little more in the driver's seat at this point in the season, but. Uh, you know, they're still fighting pretty hard for their seeding. Yeah. I wish – what I wish is that this was the halfway point of the season. Everyone's played about 17, 18 games. Right. It, it's too bad that we're only going to get about three or four games um, out of each of these teams because I would have loved to see what would happen. You know, would certain teams like Seattle peak at the wrong time and then fade down the stretch? I don't think that would happen. But um, instead, we're just going to roll right into the playoffs in the next week and a half. Uh, and Kyle, I'll be honest, there's a, there's a team we, we bring up a lot and we say this a lot and, and I think we are still sleeping on them. I think, uh, LA is a game out of first place and they have been the least talked about good team this season. They have, and they seem to be that way every year. Um, they're always like right towards the top. They're always pushing teams and everybody's like, Oh, you know, like, cause I don't know. It's weird to be the story when it's expected. You know what I mean? Like it's expected that the Sparks are going to be good because they've got Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray and the Aguma Kays and like they've got they've got all this. Um, but yeah, they're they could easily finish the season as the number one seed, and that's a significant advantage all the way to the WNBA Finals, right? Like that's I a that's if, a big deal. I wonder if part of the reason Vegas has stayed hot on the heels of Seattle for the number one overall seed is because they've got the sparks in the rear view trying to take that second buy from them. If you get that double buy, you're in the semifinals. Yeah. You can't be eliminated in a single game. You are automatically playing a five game series. That's yep. huge. Um, so the sparks, they, the sparks in Minnesota right now are in line to get the single buy. 
Um, but even even avoiding the opening round, you're still open to a single elimination game where teams like Phoenix and Chicago that can get nuclear hot for yeah. one night. Or yeah, even even somebody like the the Sun or the Wings, if you know if they come in and take care of business in that opening round, you don't you don't know. And yeah, anytime there's a single game elimination, it's yeah, you want to avoid those at all costs because yeah, like you said, you know somebody comes in has a bad shooting night. I mean, we saw, we've seen New York go toe to toe with several teams. We've seen Seattle almost lose to several teams because of stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, Las Vegas, New York, like you brought up earlier, went down to the wire, and New York probably should have won that game. And if that's a single elimination, that's sorry, Las Vegas, you're gone, you know. And so, yeah, that's a great point. Um, that double buy is really big. So I really expect Los Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Seattle to be playing as fierce and as intense of basketball as we've seen from them so far this year. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot to play for. It's a, I, I think the WNBA playoff format is a little wonky, but also very scripted to like force drama. And that's not, yeah. that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that that's, you know, we like drama in the playoffs. But it certainly it's essentially two wild card rounds before you get to the two best teams having to defend um, their record in the semifinals. It does. It yeah. honestly, it brings out both a lot of drama and also protects teams for being the best all season better than any other playoff format. Because you have some of those single eliminations that can just throw things for a loop, but then you get to like the semifinals. And the top one or two teams, you know, uh, is, you know, the things get reseeded. The number one seed gets the lowest seed of whoever's left, right? Yeah. And then they're in a series, and they should take care of it. So, I mean, generally speaking, you you should be seeing that one and two seed a lot of times in that in that finals matchup. So, yeah, yeah. If if the playoffs started today, which is always a fun game to play. <laughs> Who who's your favorite like first or like we can kind of project a little bit and say second round matchup? Uh, if they started today, I am really intrigued by Phoenix and Connecticut. Um, that that right there, I would love to watch in a series because both of those teams we've seen struggle and we both have seen or and we've seen both of them do extremely well. Um, they're middle of the pack for a reason. Phoenix started out a little better Connecticut was a really, really slow start. Um, but they both have played really solid as of late. Um, you know, like I said, Phoenix is, you know, on a five game winning streak prior to that, they, they dropped quite a few games in a row. Um, I think that's my, that's my matchup of, of who I'm most interested. I'm curious what, what you would think on that same question. I think, and, and this is, uh, this is assuming that, Dallas and Connecticut lose in the opening round single mm -hmm. elimination. But then the next round has two great matchups that I badly want to see. And yeah. I think Minnesota-Chicago is a complete coin flip. And I think yeah. the way Phoenix is playing right now, it would be shocking, but not that shocking to see uh, a Phoenix team that's red hot be either Vegas or the Sparks, depending on who gets um, that three that seed. Third yeah. Seed. That's um, true. You know, Phoenix versus LA, that's a matchup I want to watch in a in a single elimination winner take all. 
Diana Tarazi. Candace Parker, like two of these yeah, veterans in their, you know, in their somewhat twilight years, just going head to head, like yeah, just people, for pride's sake. They both have won multiple championships just, yeah, just for pride. Street cred. Um, that, that would be a great matchup. That would be. I, I like that call. Um, Logan, this is, oh, man, I love it. Can we, uh, I got to bring up this. Uh, we're speaking of races right the playoff race we got to talk a little bit about just touch on some of these uh award races that we've got going on right now um and i think primarily because if you look at the last few games diana tarasi at 30 what 38 is she 38 years old is in my opinion right in the hunt for a wnba mvp as we said on the, the Twitter account, she has entered the chat. Like, yeah. Forcefully. Diana Taurasi has re-entered the chat. Yeah, here we go. Um, In fact, the way she's been playing, it's almost like I've been here the whole time and you yeah. all just forgot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's, what's interesting to me is right now, uh, as, as we've lined it out, as, we, as we're going to discuss right now, each of the top six teams has a player in the hunt for an MVP. Right. And if you look at their numbers, it might surprise you as to who whose numbers kind of stand out the most. So, Logan, we've we've gone through we've, we've taken um, one player from each of these top six teams as far as who we think is probably in the hunt for. Um, well, we, we took six players that are in the hunt for MVP and we realized that each of them is, you know, repre- they represent the top six teams as well. Um, but I'll just run through those really quick. We've got Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker, Diana Taurasi, and Nafisa Collier. Logan, as you glance at their numbers right now, you know, what we, we looked at points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, blocks per game, and steals per game. As you look at those numbers right now, who is, is catching your attention the most among these six players? Uh, the one catching my attention the most is the one I think being talked about or, or shoved aside for other interesting stories the most. And it's Asia Wilson. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll be honest. I think Bree Stewart will win the MVP. If I had to put money on something, um, if I'm, if I'm walking into the casino, I think Bree Stewart's going to be the best player on the best team. She plays so such a critical role on both ends of the floor. I think it's Stewart, but Wilson is averaging more points per game than Bree Stewart. She is, uh, averaging, uh, excuse me, more rebounds. Is this correct? Hmm. I, so I'm she's she up. she's a, she's ahead in points. She's just behind in rebounds to Stewie, but she's got more blocks per game. More blocks per game. Yeah. Sorry. And and I was I was gonna say there's there's someone key that she's ahead of in every category that I think like really helps her case. She is averaging almost two blocks a game, which is more than Stewie. Um, the, the play of the aces, I think, um, has been again, slightly a tier below the Seattle, uh, team, but I also think that, um, Seattle is more stacked and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Asia Wilson has more of a direct impact on the overall success of her team. I think if you pluck Bree Stewart off, like we saw last year, you still have a real strong contender in Seattle. If you pluck Asia Wilson off of this Vegas team, I don't think Ugh. you're in the mix. I don't, Yeah. I'd agree. Um, now that's <laughs> been my argument all season for what Vandersloot does to, to the Chicago offense when she's on the floor. But 
despite all the talk from Chicago fans that Van Sloot needs to be at the top of this list, I think she doesn't do quite enough on the defensive end. And it's been exposed lately that Chicago's defense might not be enough to get mm-hmm. past with their top flight teams. I think Wilson's efforts on the defensive end with rebounding and blocks and a steal per game and just being everywhere plus more points per game than Stewart, I think she's got a stronger argument than people seem to think. And whenever I see Twitter polls of who's your MVP right now, she's always the last vote getter. And it is shocking to me. Yeah, it is really. It's it's very, very interesting to me. Um, as I pulled up these stats and was looking at them, the one that caught my attention the most was Nafisa Collier. I mean, she's averaging 16 points per game, which puts her kind of right in the middle of the pack of this group, um, but pretty significantly ahead of Vandersloot and Parker. Um, 8.8 rebounds per game. So she's only behind Candace Parker in rebounds. Uh, she's averaging three and a half assists per game. She's 1.4 blocks, and she's by far leading the pack in steals at nearly two steals per game. Nafisa Collier is putting up MVP numbers. Um, now, I know that generally points per game are weighted a little heavier than some of these others, but if you're looking at the most well-rounded player, I think, I think Collier is that. I think Collier is, is probably your best offensive and defensive uh, player as far as, uh, as, far as balance goes. Um, but, yeah, like, again, it seems like nobody's talking about Minnesota. Nobody's talking about Nafisa Collier. Um, and here they are, the number four seed, and easily could snag that double bye with a, you know, with a couple wins here. And Nafisa in her sophomore season is putting up MVP numbers. That's just impressive to me. And it's, it's crazy to me that not many people are actually really giving it that the credence that it deserves. Okay. Um, Logan, let's, let's, let's play a quick game. All right. The reason, well, let's pause real quick. The reason why we brought this up is because of what Diana Taurasi has been doing lately. Okay. She's averaging 26 points per game in the last five games. Overall, she's at 19.6 points per game, um, which is good enough for third in the league. Okay. On this list, she's only behind Asia Wilson. Okay. Number one in the, in the, um, number one in the league is Arike and, she's putting up nearly 22 points a game solid solid play love what we're seeing from Agumba Wale but Dallas just isn't that good all right you, you can't be an MVP candidate and maybe not make the playoffs um but uh but Tarasi yeah she's she's got really solid points per game rebounds per game at four four and a half five assists per game which is good enough for I think fourth in the league right now um and just she's doing all this without Brittany Griner over the last little bit and, and sharing the floor with another wing and, or another guard in Skylar Diggins Smith. I just think that what she is doing at this level of play and at this stage in her career is insanely impressive. Um, every, every single time for the last couple seasons that we see this type of Diana Taurasi, I just get, I get like very excited, but also like, oh man, like I'm so glad I'm, that I'm witnessing this, this last bit of Diana Taurasi's career that she's playing at this level. And I've been thinking that for about four seasons now, Logan. Yeah. So I keep thinking like, oh man, like she's not, yeah. Like it's awesome that she's playing at this level, you know, cause she probably won't be by next year. 
that was four years ago that I first had that thought. And here she is just straight up lighting people, like lighting up the, the scoreboard left and right and, and really surging this Phoenix Mercury team into the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if I have her. Mm, I'll say this. I think Diana Taurasi may have slid into my number three spot in the MVP race. I think it's, I think it's possible. I, are, are you saying Stuart number one? Who's your number two? I'm, I'm going Stewie, Asia, Taurasi right I now. I think that's pretty close to, to where I'm at. The, the more I look at these numbers, the more I kind of convince myself that maybe Asia should actually be at the top of this list. Mm. Uh, he is. I, I, you might have – maybe I'm looking at outdated numbers and you've got the updated ones, but um, Wilson is averaging uh, 0.1 more rebounds a game than Stewart. So it's negligible, but they're basically the same. And oh, across the board, okay. gotcha. ahead of everyone else. And she's averaging half as many turnovers a game as Candace Parker. Um, like she's just all over the court doing so many good things that I I think she and Stewart are actually like a one A and one B for me right now. But you're right. I'm. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's at she's at eight and a half rebounds per game, and I had her I had her at what seven six. Yeah, yeah. So she's I mean she's right up there doing it. You know, on the boards, on the offensive end. The only thing she isn't doing is attempting three pointers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but like to, to your point, I, I picked Vandersloot as my MVP at the beginning of the season. And I was, I'm obviously partial to the, the Chicago sky this year. Cause I think they're such a fun team. Um, and what she's doing assist number wise is bananas. Um, yeah. She's breaking records left and right. You unfortunately, know, I don't think she, uh, you know, her impact on the court is quite what these other players who can, who can match up defensively and cause, um, these huge offensive mismatches. It's just not what she does. It's not her game. Um, so I would, the way that Tarazi's playing uh, in the most important stretch of the season, clinching a playoff berth, I, I'll put it this way. Wh- who would you rather face right now? If you're, if you're a team going into the playoffs in a single elimination matchup, you want to play the Chicago Sky or do you want to play a DT and the, the Phoenix Mercury? Mm, today? I'm taking Chicago. I'd rather go against Chicago. I'd agree. I think so. Yeah, man, that's this is tough. This is all here's the thing. What's crazy about this is I really do feel like even though yes, I agree with you. If I'm walking into a casino with a handful of cash and I'm asked to bet on the WNBA MVP award, I'm putting it on Stewie right now. But I don't think I think that there's uh, – it's probably because there's a, it's a shortened season, right? Like there's a lot of, of things going on right now. But, again, I feel like this race for MVP is – has more – like when was the last time that, you know, with three or four games left in the season, we were talking about six players for MVP? Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't happen. It seems, like, seems like it's always two, maybe three. Maybe a third uh, outlier, yeah. But to your point, and what we talked about in pre-record, is the the player on the fringe right now of winning an MVP is Nafisa Collier. And there is an argument for Nafisa Collier. You know, she's got, <laughs> she's got a Minnesota team. We wondered if they would even make the playoffs. She's got them hanging tough as a potential top, top two out. seed. They're going to be yeah. a really tough out. And this is just her second year. You know, that doesn't get her points in terms of the MVP race. It's just impressive, you know, in yeah. content that what she's doing right now is setting herself up 
along with Crystal Dangerfield to be, you know, the core of a really good Minnesota era. I mean, they are, they are opening it's, the door to a lot of good Minnesota teams to come. Yeah, I agree. I think that this was, you know, those, the early years of that Minnesota uh, dynasty, you know, when you had some of those, that younger core, you know, your Maya Moores, your Lindsey Whalens, your Simone Augustus, right? Like all of, all of that was kind of, you know, brought about, you know, kind of brought them all together. And here you got Collier and Dangerfield who as a rookie or as a sophomore and then a rookie respectively, who are just putting up insane numbers and are propelling their team. Yeah. To like the top of the league. That's, that's about as impressive as you can get, you know, from, from this young Minnesota team. I love it. I love what I'm seeing out of Minnesota this year. Super excited to see what, what comes from them over the next couple of seasons. Um, all right. I'm, I'm curious, Logan. So I gave my top three, right? I slid Parker into the, my, my, my three spot there, or sorry, Tarasi into my three spot, kind of bumping Parker and Vandersloot down a bit. Who do you have as your, cause you already alluded to Stewie and Wilson being your, your top two. Who do you have as your third? Who do you think I, still has a pretty decent shot? You, is it Collier? I think my one, two, three, I need to see just one like moment from Wilson in the next five games to move her up to number one. If she's got like a buzzer beater or just some insane line, some night again, it doesn't even matter who she is that one, like seminal Asia Wilson game away from being my top pick. But for now it's Bree Stewart. It's Asia Wilson. And I'm willing to move Tarazi up to number three because I, I don't love how Chicago has been playing lately. And I do think that that hurts Vandersloot's case. Mm, I like it. I like it. It's good. Um, Logan, this has been, this has been excellent. Hey, I do have one last question for you. And it's just because we've got Kennedy Carter back in the, in the running now, does Kennedy Carter still have a shot at rookie of the year or is crystal Dangerfield built too too good of a resume at this point? Does she have a shot? Yes. Um, is it, does it have more to do with like her instant uh, kind of popularity and fame than it does what she's done on the court? I think so. I, okay. I think because Carter was so hyped and rightly so, because when she's been out there, she's been great. She's been the key to Atlanta doing anything good this season. Um, but because she was so hyped, she was instantly kind of in the club of, you know, future great players. We can't wait to see what she does. Um, she caught, she got a boost as soon as Sabrina went down, everyone kind of turned to her like, you're the answer. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's what's keeping her name in the running because I think it should obviously be Crystal Dangerfield. Yeah. Like, like by, it doesn't mean I'm not saying it's close, you know, it's, it's kind of close, but I don't think I, I have to, you know, when you asked me that question, I didn't have, I didn't have to take a long time to think about, it. I think it should be Crystal Dangerfield. Um, and I, I think it will be. I like it. Now it's crazy because when you look at like her game by game, like scoring at least, right. She's been in, in double figures in every game except for three this season. And one of those games she came was, was the game she went out injured three minutes into the game. And another one of those games was really limited minutes as she was coming back, right? If you take those two games away, she's been in double figures in all but the game that, uh, that we had uh, 
yes, or I guess if you're listening to this on, on uh, Friday, it was yesterday, but tonight as we were recording um, against New York, um, you know, she, she only had nine points, but other than that, she's, she's putting up numbers. She, she's doing it. I think that she, unfortunately, when she went down with that injury, Crystal Dangerfield, I mean, Crystal Dangerfield was already coming onto the radar before the injury. She went down and Crystal Dangerfield seemed to like rise even further. And uh, I, I still think she's got a shot. I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, um, but she would have to, she's going to have to really, really be impressive um, to, uh, I mean, she's going to have to go absolutely bonkers over the next couple games toward the end of the season to really make that case for herself. I'm, I'm worried it might be too little too late because Dangerfield has been so consistent and not just in scoring, but across the board in a lot of what she does. And her role in pushing Minnesota to a four seed is, is really significant. And as much as you hate to play the game, you know, I know rookie of the year isn't as, as um, tied to a team's record, like an MVP would be. It is, you know, it, it is a little impressive that Minnesota's sitting at four and you've got, you know, Atlanta down, you know, at the 10 seed right now and potentially lower if they, if they drop a few more games. So yeah. anyway, if that's, that's my to, thoughts with it. If you want to do the, the straight numbers comparison, Carter and Dangerfield are basically a push across the board, except mm-hmm. Carter averages half a point more per game, which doesn't mean a lot to me. Um, and Dangerfield is actually shooting a much better percentage. She's shooting 46 over mm-hmm. 46% from the floor. Um, she's a little bit more efficient uh, body from the three point, uh, the arc, but she doesn't shoot a lot from out there. So she's, I think she's the more efficient player. She's also been the more available player and she's shooting 91% from the foul line. So that's not nothing. Yeah, it's um, impressive. She, you know, she turns the ball over less. So if you go two points per game for your end all be all it's, it's Carter, but pretty much everything else favors danger field, albeit by a hair. Um, and because she's the one who's been out there and she's the one who's in the playoffs and she's, you know, playing 29 minutes a game as a rookie on a playoff team that looks real good. I think you got to give it to Dangerfield. Yeah, I agree. Um, follow up to that. If you're taking, um, if you're taking Carter or Dangerfield, let's say you're starting a team, um, and you have to take one of this year's rookies to be on your squad. Who are you taking? Ooh. It's a really tough question because that's a different question than rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, we could say crystal Dangerfield is rookie of the year, but we I may mean, have a different answer. I believe coming immediately into the league and having success um, does have something to do with the team you're surrounded by. And honestly, we know Minnesota is the more talented team of the two. Um, I believe we have not yet seen Kennedy Carter's ceiling and I, you know, obviously as rookies, we haven't seen danger fields either, but I, I will say, I think Kennedy Carter has the higher ceiling. I can see her being, you know, a, a star player lifting the rest of her team to the playoffs or to a finals where I, I see her as a future MVP level. I, I think Dangerfield can certainly not just be like, oh, she's a starter on a good team. You know, I, I think she can be great. I think she could be. I think she could be all-star level. Player. Yeah. Uh, but I always see her as, you know, 
her and Collier are a championship, you know, match or her right. and someone else. And I think Carter is one of the rare guards in this game that, you know, she's she's gonna be the you know, the go to. Um, like if, if they need if they need a forty point night from somebody and nobody else is hitting, I think Carter can do that. Um, and that's it's a really tough question. It's really close. You'd be you'd be happy to have either of them if you landed either of these guards. Oh, for sure. Right now on your team as rookies to develop and build your foundation on. Um, I really don't think it's that big of a difference. I think Dangerfield actually has a higher ceiling than maybe we've given her credit for in our draft uh, outlook show and things like that. But Dangerfield's going to be the rookie of the year. I think Carter's the one that I would take to build around. Interesting. I, I would probably tend to agree with you there. It also depends on, you know, other pieces that you've got. I think that uh, Carter is somebody who can go out and just, just score. Right. Um, where I see Dangerfield can score, but she's also a facilitator. Um, if you're looking for a score first point guard, which is actually really popular across all levels of basketball right now, um, a score first point guard, Kennedy Carter, I think is, about as good as it gets at this point. I think, Car- you know, Kennedy Carter and Enrique Gumbawale are, are probably right up there as far as scoring guards go. Unfortunately, it looks as though both of them may lose the rookie of the year to a Minnesota rookie. Um, <laughs> as, you know, a Gumbawale lost to, uh, to Collier last season. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I tend to agree with you there, Logan. I think that uh, – uh, yeah, I think exactly what you said were my thoughts as well. But, uh, okay, dude, it has been a blast chatting more WNBA basketball with you. Um, it's been a bit, but we're going to hop back on, on, uh, onto Mike here in just a, uh, you know, just a couple more days to give some more updates, to give some more thoughts on the playoff race as, as we're coming to the end of our regular season. Logan, it's crazy. I feel like we just barely started the season. <laughs> and I guess I don't even feel like that. We literally did just barely start the season just not that long ago. Um, and, uh, but it's been so fun to go through this, uh, this season with you. And I'm just, I'm excited because we've got playoffs coming up and, and there's a lot more storylines to be written in this wild and crazy 2020 season. Um, but before we sign off, Logan, will you uh, let everybody know how they can best get in touch with us or how they can interact with us? Yes, you can get in touch with us uh, by leaving comments and reviews on our podcast pages, wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate your five-star reviews and uh, your input on how we can make the show better, what you like about the show. Uh, it also helps us get found by people new to the WNBA. If, uh, if our rating you know, review average is up, more people will find us. Uh, we've been really proud of uh, a lot of the feedback we've gotten from all of you, so thank you. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. All of our individual uh, individual is the word. I just pronounced it like it was a W. Um, all of our individual Twitter handles are are closely connected to at WNBA Nation Pod. So if you want to find us individually, we're all there. Um, it'll be pretty easy. Uh, and then we do have a Patreon where we uh, we send out goodies and and some extra episodes and some uncut episodes for for those on our Patreon who support us financially, so that we can keep the show going. Uh, hopefully invest in some uh, new equipment and some some show improvements uh, soon as well as as well as fun kickbacks for those who are patreon supporters and uh, just one last thing that that I think is fun and this is uh this is kind of a save the date uh, but it was announced today that ABC will be scheduling uh, the WNBA finals uh, as a double header with the NBA finals on October 4th 
which is a Sunday. It'll be 3 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking 10 days to the playoffs, but we're only a month away because it's September 4th. We're only a month away from the WNBA Finals, and it's going to be on the afternoon of the NBA Finals on ABC. So prepare for that. Give us your predictions. Tell us what matchup you're looking forward to most. Tell us why you think we're wrong about all of our MVP lists uh, and anything else over on Twitter. Uh, and remember to give us a five-star review. Love it, dude. Uh, yeah, you said it all the way across the board. Uh, we really, really do enjoy interacting with you on Twitter and uh, also our, our patrons. You guys are just awesome. I just want to add my two cents to that as well, that that uh, without you guys, this this show becomes much more difficult. Your support um, is is super integral to everything that we do here. Um, it really, really, truly does help us. I know you feel like, oh, it's just a couple bucks a, a month, but you know we we can't thank you enough for what you do. It, it really, truly does make a difference in our lives uh, and in being able to produce this show. So thank you. Um, but for WNBA Weekly, not WNBA Weekly. Whoa, that was a throwback, dude. And I'm not editing that out. I'm not throwing that out. <laughs> oh, man. That was like a Freudian slip if, if, uh, if I ever had one. Uh, maybe it's, maybe, I don't know, maybe I just want to be a little retro. It's, a, it's a technically, well, I guess it just crossed midnight. But it, it was technically Throwback Thursday, all right, when we started recording. So there you go. There's your Throwback Thursday. Uh, for WNBA Nation. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.